Welcome to Fun Lawrence.com's politics and culture podcast, and by Ice Cube's awful film career, have we got a surprise for you folks. Together at last, for the first time since well before the death of that pharmacy with breast implants and a Nicole Smith, and equally foul-smelling at this point, the semi-full pundit roster has been reunited! I'm Gavin, and Aaron joins us on loan from rehab, where they've been trying to kick that most insidious of back monkeys off of him, snorting the incinerated and pulverized remains of their loved ones, um, just sticking straws directly into the urn and inhaling both branches of your family tree one nostril at a time. How's it going, Aaron? Oh, it's going all right. It's been a you know rough couple months, you know, I being know. in rehab and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, the shock therapy was was pretty traumatic yeah. as well. But um, I, I'm doing all right. I'm That's doing good better. to hear. That's good um, to hear. I'm just back on booze. That's it. Good um, old-fashioned booze. That's right, booze. Uh, that's pretty much my only <laughs> vice at this point. So. <laughs> if it was good enough for Imus, it's good enough for us. Absolutely. Yeah, and I imagine it was probably very difficult to get those bone fragments of your great uncle <sighs> out of your sinus cavities. Uh, my... My psychiatrist says that we just it's it's not healthy to talk about this. Okay, I so, we'll, we will move on. We'll move on. Okay. And uh, unfortunately Galen could not join us tonight because he's busy testifying against Alberto Gonzalez in front of the Senate. Uh those 5 million missing emails that uh Rove supposedly accidentally deleted, that was Galen's fault. Oh, was just, it? Just shoddy IT. Well, I know he also has that insider trading scam going on too, so I think he may be going back to jail. You know what? They uh, they kept the cell open for him. <laughs> He's got a groove worn into the cot. It's fine. <laughs> it's 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 the camaraderie that he was longing for it's, that he couldn't find with us. That he gets in prison. It, his cellmate Bubba was calling me the other day, wanting to know when Galen was going to be back because he lonely. missed him. He's lonely. I know. There's so many unfilled holes <sighs> that Galen shall fill for him. Oh, <laughs> uh, but we, as the roundtable format, have been away for so long that there are so many issues we haven't touched on, and uh, we'll just sort of run through the most current ones. Alberto Gonzalez testifying in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee today regarding the the political purge of the Justice Department involving the eight U.S. attorneys who were fired basically because they were not bringing enough charges against Democrats or dropping charges against Republicans. Uh, so how long do you think before Gonzalez is fired, Aaron? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not sure if he's going to be fired, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Um, I felt Donald Rumsfeld, for instance, should have been fired probably two years before he finally resigned, and he didn't get fired. It stated he resigned. So I... I, I'm not optimistic at all that he's going to be canned. Think he, he's just going to run out the clock. I think he's just going to run out the clock. Bush has a lot of loyalty towards him, as does Cheney and all the other cronies. I don't know. And we shouldn't overlook the fact that if Gonzalez is cut loose, um, the horrible, horrible things that he knows where all of the bodies are buried, uh, they want to keep him close to the vest. That's right. That's he's right. basically, and let's not forget, Gonzalez is the architect of uh, the suspension of habeas corpus, uh, Guantanamo, oh, yes. CIA black sites, rolling back of basically every constitutional civil right that we as Americans have, and solidifying power within the executive ba- branch to the point where uh, George is now King George. That's right. So, uh, yes, Gonzo was up on the Hill earlier today, not doing so well. In fact, he had uh, numerous Republicans calling for him to resign, including 
Coburn from Oklahoma, crazy ass conservative Republican, even thinks that he should go. A lot of people do. Lindsey Graham, uh, Chuck Grassley, up and down, saying that he's well, become too much of a distraction. But you're right. Bush yeah. is probably going to flip Congress the bird again and oh, say, yeah, nah. probably. Well, <laughs> no. And if Gonzalez does decide to leave, he'll probably just resign. He won't be fired. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's just kind of how it works in the Bush administration. Yes. But you, f- you fall on your sword. That's right. This is just another corrupt bastard in this administration. I mean, we've had so many of them. Yeah. I don't uh, know. One it of the just, Austin I, gang. I guess it just doesn't really surprise me anymore. As a matter you know, of fact, yes. As uh, so far as scandals go with this administration, it's a really boring one. Uh, however, it's one of those that the Democrats feel safe in pursuing. Uh, because it's just um, so stupid of a malfeasance on uh, the Justice Department's part. Basically, basically the allegation is that they purged the Justice Department and replaced everyone with a bunch of like uh, loony uh, Pat Roberts law school graduates and uh, Christian pod people, and um, then they lied about it to Congress. Yeah. So that's the long and short of that particular scandal playing out right now. I'm sure it's all perfectly legal. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. I'm sure the Patriot Act will assure that. (laughs) Yes, the provision that was in the Patriot Act that allowed them to replace these U.S. attorneys. And Uh, if it's not in the Patriot Act, they'll just secretly rewrite it. Yes, in the middle of the night. That's right. Hush, hush. In the bunker. (laughs) And also on Capitol Hill, uh, the sort of big stalemate... Now, and surprisingly enough, Congress seems to have grown a set and have passed a war supplemental supplemental, uh, funding bill that... Learn how to speak English. (laughs) Speak English! (laughs) Learn to speak American. (laughs) (laughs) All right, boy. The the war supplemental funding bill that uh, the democratically controlled Congress passed, basically tying funding to benchmarks that the Iraqi government has to meet and uh, a timetable to withdraw our troops from Iraq. Bush has promised to veto it. uh, And if he does that, the Senate's already promising to send up an even tougher bill with even more binding uh, language in it. And uh, I think the Democrats are winning this particular political fight. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, because if Bush vetoes this, this war is so unpopular that the American people, not just a majority, but a clear majority, now want some sort of timetable slash phase withdrawal of troops, which is the sort of sensible legislation that the Democrats have passed and have sent to Bush. And Bush is... And most Republicans are sort of supporting that. Moderate Republicans voted for it in the Senate and the House, yeah. And most Republicans running for either re-election or trying to get elected in 2008 are all going to jump on board with the Democrats, I believe, because they're going to see that their chances of getting elected in the next election are going to be very, very slim if they continue to side with the president. Yeah. However, the president is bound and determined to completely bury the Republican Party. And uh, God bless him. <laughs> you know, if he wants to well, take, if he wants to take an entire political party down with him, it's his prerogative. He is the commander in chief. I'm not sure if he's going to necessarily take them down. I think that most Republicans are just going to simply defect. Um, most Republicans, even more conservative Republicans, have said that as the surge has not worked by the end of the summer, that they're pretty much just going to abandon 
their support for George Bush's war effort. Um, I'm not sure what course of action that they are going to propose that we take, but I think that probably the end of the summer is we're going to see massive defections from the Republican Party. Yeah, and that's kind of the uh, Democrats' strategy is that they're going to send up this more moderate bill, which Bush is going to veto, and that's going to put more public pressure on the Republicans to help give the Democrats a veto-proof majority in both chambers so that they can go over the president's head and, uh, you know, actually do their job and reflect the will of the American people right. and bring it into this war. Um, but Bush is just politically acting fairly suicidal right now. He, well, I mean, he himself's a lame duck. He doesn't have to worry about it. But I, uh, he's basically throwing his party an anchor. Well, I, I think you're right on. He's a lame duck president. He doesn't care at this point. He's going to do whatever he wants to do, whatever he believes is right to do. And he doesn't have to worry about reelection. As far as I know, nobody within his administration needs to worry about being elected in 2008. So, you know, what does he care? Just do it. Yeah, although that leads us to the crop of Republicans that are running for the nomination for president in no, 08 who have all embraced Bush's war effort and, in fact, have <laughs> well, embraced his current well, surge strategy. <laughs> well, they're again, they're embracing it now. <laughs> when the surge fails, they will flip-flop. Yeah, well, McCain has already sort of set himself up for well, that, saying, well, I would have sent more troops. Well, McCain has flip-flopped on Iraq <laughs> Remember back in 2004, he wasn't a very big supporter of the war effort in Iraq. Yeah. And in fact, uh, and would have just as years. soon have ripped off George Bush's eyelids than have had to have looked him in the face. That's right. Uh, but, oh, he found Jesus and was on the 2004 campaign trail, basically dug really far up Bush's ass like some sort of anal tick. That's right. And uh, has also extended a tentacle up the religious rights ass, uh, Jerry Falwell and such, uh, like trumpeting the fact that he wants to eliminate Roe v. Wade, which, by the way, the Supreme Court came a step closer this week to eliminating. It's, I just find it all amusing because McCain's track record really prior to now has been the complete opposite yeah. of what he's arguing. Straight talk express, man. He's a maverick. I just I find it. I just find it funny. I, all the Republicans arguing that John Kerry in 2004 was a big flip-flopper yeah. and could never make up his mind on any one issue. Good Lord. Yeah. Look at this crop this of cro- Republicans oh, wow. right now. And, you know, and McCain's, McCain's flip-flopping has been sort of tragic because he used – at least he seemed to be a politician uh, who had convictions – he seemed to be oh, somebody did. who stood for ideals rather than political expediency. Uh, however, he's been unmasked as just a really desperate political crony who's as, willing to say whatever it takes to get elected president. As, as a retard, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What he is, a yes, one of the worst politicians in recent memory. Well, while, that's, while he's been bad, I would say the most Kerry-esque of the current Republican crop, haircut and all. Oh, yes. Uh, Mitt Romney. Well, and they're from the same state, too. So, <laughs> yeah, both know. Massachusetts liberals. <laughs> uh, Romney is just one really sad, slimy political creature. <laughs> I mean, he's just, I mean, his most flagrant political foul uh, as of late was when he said, I have been a lifelong hunter with that sort of, you know, white bread, you know, northeastern liberal, right. you know, aristocratic. I, I've, I've been a long, lifelong hunter. 
Urge has cracked a low and brow, everybody. (laughs) As I say, now that that I'm out of rehab for my other problem, it's now just alcohol. It's the only thing that steadies his hand. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to sit here and have this hour-long political discussion without a beer in my hand. I'm sorry. Unless he gets some Jesus juice in him. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't realize it was going to be that loud. No, man, we're just kicking back. Having a few brew dogs, right. talking about politics. It's oh, cool, whatever. It's kind of what people in the Bush administration do. <laughs> Except he's got buckler near beer. Um, or natty light. Or, which is basically non-alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> it's, the, it's piss water. Well, it's half the buzz, twice the piss. <laughs> That's what it is. Why haven't they put that out the can? I don't know. They can market that shit. I think that'd be a very good marketing uh, tool right there. Yeah. Yeah, well. Um but Mitt Romney, uh, speaking yes. of piss, uh, has been pissing all over himself and his political chances by saying that he's been a lifelong hunter. Then some reporters did some background checks to see that he has never had a hunting license in his life. Mm. And <laughs> they cornered him with this. So, oh, I've gone hunting at least twice in my life, once when I was 15 and once last year. Oh. Is that <laughs> lifelong. Like- oh, lifelong. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a lifelong hunter to me. <laughs> with about, you know, a 40-year interval in there. That's right. Uh, but then they cornered him, well, what were you hunting? Uh, you know, small animals. You might call them varmints. <laughs> he's it, that, That's a quote. He called them varmints. He's oh. he's now a varmint hunter. Oh, my God. <laughs> Romney the varmint hunter. Well... Uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> and on top of and, and that's just like the the most laughable example yeah, of pandering to the base. I'm just speechless. <laughs> and, then, and then there's um, like him on tape saying that he would be more liberal than Ted Kennedy on gay rights issues. That's right. Um, you know he's he would use he said that he does support a woman's right to choose. Now he doesn't. He said he did support gay rights. Now he doesn't. Um, said he did support gun control. Now he doesn't. Because he's a lifelong hunter. Right? Yeah, lifelong hunter. Right. Varmints. Vicious varmints. varmints. Huge chipmunks with I, teeth. I hunt varmints, but I that's just only for food, basically. <laughs> I eat everything I shoot. That's true. You're like Ted Nugent that that's, way. That's right. <laughs> Ted uh, Nugent and the Native Americans. That's right. <laughs> Let me first Treasures. Talk. Let me let me first make a comment on McCain. I agree with you that he really is one of the most pathetic and and sad political figures really in the last decade. Uh, his to me at least, I know he still has numerous supporters out there, but to me at least, to see his sort of fall from being a very respectable politician that sort of had a appeal to both sides of the aisle. Um, you know, this was a guy that was a fairly moderate Republican. Uh, stood for, I don't know if you want to call them more Reagan-esque type policies, were fiscal conservatism, um, strong foreign policy, but yet a foreign policy in which we work with allies, um, these sorts of issues. He was, to my knowledge, pro, uh, pro-choice, pro uh, pro-gay rights, fairly moderate, and now all of a sudden... Now that he has presidential aspirations, he has just made a complete ass out of himself yeah. because he has turned against every single thing that he stood for, every single thing that moderates, conservatives, and independents respected about him. 
is gone, in my opinion. And I think an explanation for that is that uh, his clock is ticking. He's an old man. He's uh, 71 well, years old. He will be, what, uh, I think 73 if he wins and is inaugurated. Well, and um, see, that sort of begs the question as to why is he even trying to run this time around? I mean, really, his chance of getting the Republican nomination would have been in 2000. Yeah. If he had made a strong run in 2004, I don't know. Maybe at that point it might have been possible, just might have been possible that he could have put some pressure on Bush. It's also possible – in 2004, there was talk of him running as an independent. Uh, now, I'm not sure that if he would have won in 2004 as an independent, but given that a majority of Americans were not in support of President Bush at that point and that a lot of Americans didn't really particularly like Kerry at that point, some people thought that maybe a McCain, who was sort of a middle-of-the-road type candidate, could come in and steal the election. But he he didn't even try in 2004. Mm. I think at this point it's just a little too late. Age is an issue. He's, obviously, health is an issue with him. Yeah, uh, he's had a lot of problems, cancer, whatnot. So I, he's just making an ass out of himself. He's destroying what I would consider a very good political legacy. He needs to just give it up. Um, I think it might be a little bit too early to write him off because the crop of Republican candidates oh, right I'm, now is just so weak oh, that he might still get the nomination. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I am not going to disagree with that. I, I do think that there is a possibility that there's a possibility he could win in 2008. But I, I don't think, I think he's got a, none, a nonetheless that that doesn't take away from the fact that he is making a jackass out of him. No, it's true. And the most recent example of this is I believe just today at a campaign rally event, Somebody asked him about Iran. Oh, yeah. This, this is great. And I love this. <laughs> and somebody asked him, if he were to become president, would he invade Iran? And does he consider Iran a threat? And his response to this, apparently an attempt at humor. I'm not exactly sure what. But his response to this was, do you remember that old Beach Boys song, Barbara Ann? And then he goes, bomb, 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 Iran. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny? You know, World War Three. That would be hilarious. Even if that, even if he was <laughs> intending that to be a joke, as an extremely inappropriate joke to make at this. If you're a presidential our, candidate, yes. and if you're trying to uh, assuage people's fears that you are unstable, that you're senile. Uh, the I think worst way to try to assuage those fears is making a joke about bombing Iran and triggering hell on Earth. <laughs> I yeah, think that's was, that's just not that funny to begin no, with. No, it's not. And it's funny. just a bad and, joke. <laughs> and again, I'm sure that he was saying it in a context of 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 joking. Of of trying to make people laugh, of trying to trying to recapture that maverick image of the oh, that's right, trying to get the irascible people, John McCain, trying to get the crowd to loosen up a little bit and see him as more of a just a just a average American than some politician. Yes, the but, beer candidate, the, I, the guy you'd like to have a beer with, candidate. Right, but at the same time, you just don't say that. No. <laughs> and I would also like to add, on top of it being inappropriate for a presidential candidate, it just wasn't funny. Um, well, no, it's kind of funny. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's be honest here. Bomb, 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 Iran. Bomb, 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 Iran. Come on. I, you know, Harmony's great. Uh, he, he's right up there with Weird Al Yankovic so far as punny songsmiths, but uh, I don't think it was that funny. No. Me personally. 
from a humor standpoint, regardless uh, of whether or not he should have made the joke. I also take um, this this whole relationship between McCain and Falwell at this point, I find very interesting as yeah. well. Uh, because, again, this is going back to the everything that he stood against yeah. up till now. Yeah. I mean, the religious right absolutely hated this guy. They still do, as a matter of fact. No matter how much he's trying to suck up to them, well, they still distrust him. The base, right. the base of the Republican Party still doesn't think he's one of them. And, and that's the real tragedy on this, is that if McCain were to win in 2008, prim- the primary voters that he would be getting would be moderate Republicans, independents, and conservative Democrats. That would be the core people that would elect him into office would not necessarily come from the religious right, although they would probably vote for him if he got the Republican nomination. What he has effectively done now is he has pissed away the independent and the conservative Democratic vote because they're not going to vote for him now, now that he has this sort of seemingly relationship with the religious right. The religious right still despises him, and we don't know, but probably will not vote for him in the Republican primaries. So now he's just kind of screwed. He's basically left with Bush voters. Yeah. That sort of anomalous 25 to 30% of the American public who might be enough to get him through the Republican primary. Who knows? If it's that much. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's... And this analogy, I think, is very apt and just trying to bring it home to the Kansas flavor. He's basically 2008's Bob Dole. He's basically the angry, semi-senile old man who uh, thinks that he deserves the nomination just because he's next in line. Uh, however, it's if he does get the nomination, he's going to go the route of Bob Dole. Well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't compare McCain with Bob Dole. I, <laughs> I, I would give Bob Dole a little more respect than that. That's true. I think Bob Dole is funnier than John McCain. Personally speaking. At least Bob Dole kind of knew where he stood. Yeah, you knew where Bob Dole was coming from. Bob Dole's bedrock sort of conservative Reagan era. That's Republican. Right. Uh, and he knew he wasn't going to win in 96. Yeah, yeah. He, he was just the where's the outrage candidate. I'm just making a statement. Yeah, it was just kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for the Republican Party. I'll stand there. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm going to lose, but eh, what the hell. Yeah. Uh, but we've been we've been ragging on the Republican side. It's time to switch over to the Democratic side. Oh, because side that's now. a fine crop of candidates <laughs> there, too. And, um, John Edwards, who I actually like as a candidate. I think that he's developed as a candidate since the 2004 race. I think oh, that he actually, uh, for me personally, just my own op- uh, opinion, has staked out the best political ground. Uh, but he's... <laughs> he's not he's not doing anything to dispel uh homophobic slurs from the religious right when it was released today that he is receiving four hundred dollar haircuts, two hundred and fifty dollar spa treatments. <laughs> well, so the man likes to live large. You know what? He looks wonderful though. That money is well spent. That guy, he's fifty five, he looks younger than I am. If I made tens of millions of dollars off of ridiculous lawsuits. <laughs> I would probably spend $400 on manicures, haircuts, and spa treatments myself. Why not? You know what? I want the, I want the President of the United States to look immaculate. I want the President of the United States to be able to win on Project Runway by walking right down there and wow. wooing the judges of yeah. world opinion. If that's what you're looking for in a candidate, I think Edwards is my Edwards, guy. Edwards is probably your guy. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but also on the Democratic side, uh, just a stunning amount of money raised by the Democratic candidates. Uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both raised around $25 million each. Uh, depending on how you break it down, like Barack Obama might have more cash on hand, so it could be argued that he was the money leader. Or if you look at overall, Hillary Clinton had a few million dollars more. But either way, between uh, all of the Democratic front runners, they raised a staggering amount of well, money. Well, and even some more of, than the Republican candidates, well, which even, is a first. Even some of the non front running Democratic candidates made a lot of money. Chris Dodd made a a lot of money for a guy who has it, a um, snowball's chance in hell of well, getting the nomination. Right, uh, Bill Richardson got some money. I mean, you know, I, I think I, I, find, I, think, it, I, I find, think, find it interesting that, like you said, that Democrats in general have been able to just raise an astounding amount of money. I mean, yeah. what, what does that say about where we're at right now? That says that the Republicans are in trouble. <laughs> yes, they because they, the Democratic voters are much more excited about their candidates and are willing to give money. Uh, and the Republican voters are in a malaise and don't want to give their money is basically what that says. And um, yet, at least y- yet, I we're, really we're still a long way. Oh, yeah, there. we're still waiting for that silver bullet of Fred Thompson of <laughs> Red October and Law and Order fame <laughs> to rest to ride gallop in on Ronald Reagan's legacy and save the Republican Party. That's right. Because, you know, they were both actors. That's apparently oh. like that's that's kind of his only credential. He was like a worthless senator from Tennessee who didn't like who had no legislative accomplishments when he was in office. Uh, you know, he's I, an actor with sort of a seamy private life. He banged a lot of actresses on the side. Uh, so it's just kind of funny that the party of conservative values who have railed against Hollywood liberals are now sort of rushing to a Hollywood liberal in their own party to kind of save them. Well, and it's funny that Republicans rail against these Hollywood types so much, but if you look at people in Hollywood, there there are a lot of actors out there, conservative actors, that give a lot of money to the Republican Party. Yeah. So they shouldn't really speak too loudly. And uh, don't forget Newt. I was about to say, <laughs> Newt is still my dark horse. <laughs> For the nomination? For the nomination. Because that guy would get... I hope to God he that guy who gets so creamed in the general election. I, people still remember him, and people still hate him. The Republic, he is, he was driven out of Washington by his is, own party. But Gavin, you are forgetting that this guy is the poster boy of the Republican Party. They love him. They <laughs> absolutely love him. Moderate Republicans love him. Conservative Republicans love him. Newt is their hero. If Newt decides to run. In the Republican primary, hey, I, I said it months and months and months ago. I'll say it again. Don't be surprised. Newt Greenridge comes in and steals a Republican nomination. I won't I won't argue with that. That could he, happen. He, he is on Fox News virtually every day. <laughs> he sat when he talks, he sounds political in his convictions. Yeah. I uh, you know, I don't know. He said he was gonna wait till the end of the summer to make a decision on whether he was gonna run or not. I just think that um Feasibly, from a from a technical campaign standpoint, he can't wait that long. I think he's already waited too long because not, there's well, just not enough money between. Because well, as we we saw how little money that the current Republican crop I, raised, I, um, I'm not I'm not sure about that. I think there's maybe a strategy. Now, of course, this is just all my screwball theories. Your, your paranoid conspiracy theories. But, uh, 
No, I mean, I think this could be a strategy on Newt's part because I think that there there is an interest by him personally that he does want to run for president. I think that there's a general enough interest from Republicans to support him on a run for president. He could be waiting for the end of the summer because he sees the sort of crop of Republicans that are out there now. He's going to sit around over the next few months and let them just sort of destroy themselves, and then he will sort of come in. He's going to be able to raise money regardless of whether he gets in now or regardless of whether he gets in later. I don't think money is necessarily going to be an issue for Newt. So I think he's just going to sort of wait around, much like some Democrats believe that Al Gore is doing right now. It's true. It's true. Uh, However, Newt Gingrich... Just recently, and this didn't get that much attention because he's not an official candidate, but just recently he compared uh, the Spanish language to the language of the ghetto. (laughs) And he he then had to, like, release a YouTube clip where he talks in Spanish apologizing to Mexican people for that comment saying that he was misinterpreted. Do you think any Republicans are going to give a rat's ass whether he made these comments or not? (laughs) However... The fact that um, even he realized that that was just a really stupid move if he had any hopes in hell of capturing the nomination and of winning a general election, even he realized that was awful and he had to grovel about it. And two months from now or two weeks from now, nobody's even going to remember it. That's true, because he's not officially announced. But when he does uh, officially announce, all hell's going to break loose. I'm just waiting for all these candidates to just start tearing at each other's throats. Oh, and it'll, be, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be really fun, especially once everyone starts looking into Giuliani. Because Giuliani right now oh, yes. has like uh, a seemingly insurmountable lead in national opinion polls because of his name recognition from being America's mayor after September 11th. And um, I, that guy is toast once the media really oh, starts yes. scrutinizing it and once other Republicans well, I, start attacking. Yes, that well, guy's toast. Well, I agree. Well, I think Giuliani has several problems. Well, first off, you are correct. In all polls that I have seen... Giuliani wins in a general election if he goes up against either Clinton. I think. Well, Edward, he's Edwards, t- he's actually tied think, with most. Well, I think I he think, has a slight lead against Edwards and Obama, but I think he's tied with Clinton in a okay. general. I think the poll I saw, if I remember this correctly, was he beats barely beats. We're talking about a couple percentage. It's pretty much there. statistical. Dead beats deep. Edwards, beats Hillary, but I think Obama was the one candidate that yeah. would actually beat him. Yeah. But he is a moderate Republican. He. He was a very successful mayor in New York. I mean, let's not let's not forget this. He has a pretty good track record. He did a lot against crime. He did a lot. He was hated before September 11th. He was hated in New York. All right, (laughs) but he is known as the mayor of September 11th. He (laughs) like that's a city. (laughs) He helped balance the budget in New York. He helped wage a war against crime in New York. He did a lot of good things as mayor of New York. Okay, whatever we can debate that later. But regardless, that's what he's running on. He's he's a moderate Republican. He's pro-choice, pro-gay rights, pro-gun control. I think that's one of the reasons why he has sort of a broader appeal than some of these other Republican candidates, which is kind of why he's in the lead right now. But two issues with Giuliani. As we've talked before, I'm not sure if he's going to make it through the Republican primaries. I mean, as popular as he may be amongst general Americans, I don't think the religious right's going to embrace this guy. I mean, he's just sort of this you know, rich sort of liberal New Yorker who is, doesn't really speak to true American values. So I'm not sure if they're really going to go out and embrace yeah. him. 
Secondly, you're right. I mean, when it this guy has got a bizarre personal history, <laughs> and when it all comes out, not going to be it, pretty. No, it's not going to be pretty <laughs> at all. People are going to run screaming when they find out what this yeah. guy has done. A few instances on the points that you raised about him being a liberal Northeast Republican. Um, well, he, he is. He, no, he is. He is. And and actually, I will say to his credit, he's not running away from some of the positions that oh, he no, had, like not. McCain has done. No, I mean, he's not. He's, he's like, and, in the past, he's on video saying that he thinks there should be public funding for abortions. Yeah. He hasn't backed away from that comment. And you In know fact, what? Reaffirmed that comment. And good for him. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not saying I would vote for Giuliani, but I do respect Giuliani for sticking with his political stances. Yeah. Uh, and not change it because he very well could. He could backtrack on a lot of these sure. issues trying to really suck off the religious right. <laughs> but he's not doing it. But, not I, think that, not but I think that he has the foresight to realize that if he has any chances of getting elected in 2008, that's not the way to go. Yeah, and there's that dance that you have to do and that the primaries you have to appeal to your base, which on the Republican side is conservative, and that's the calculus that McCain is using right now. Right. Like Everyone says that he didn't go hard enough for conservative voters in 2000, and that's why Bush won. Uh, so now McCain's gone completely overboard and trying to court them, but at the same time is risking well, alienating moderates well, and in the we, general election. And, and as we said, that you know McCain's just shot himself in the yeah. foot because he has pissed off all the people that would have potentially voted for yeah. him who are not part of the religious right. But Giuliani is decided, uh, and it's a risk that he's taking, he's decided that he's not going to pander to the base, except on issues of national security, which has always been the only thing that he could run on that's bulletproof in his mind and in his campaign's mind, because he was the mayor of September 11th. But he's, but at the same time, he's always sort of supported our current foreign policy. Yeah, and he, su- really- he supports the war in Iraq, and he supports the surge. Uh, and that's what he's running on. He's running as a national defense. He thinks that he's sort of a latter-day Winston Churchill, who's like standing up against this menace that nobody else is recognizing, these Islamo-fascists, and that he's got to be the tough guy that's got to go in there, like he did with the mobs in New York and against yeah. crime in New York. He's got to do the same thing in the Middle East, and he's got to be the law and order candidate. Sorry, Fred Thompson, for cleaning up you know, <laughs> the terrorist threat. And... and it just I think it's really revealing about the Republican Party that Giuliani, with all of his liberal social issue stances, is sort of running as a fascist. And no, seriously, he's running as a fascist. He's running as a might is right candidate, and he's running as the guy who's going to use the US military properly, unlike George Bush, who like he's saying, Oh, it's a, Iraq was a good idea, it just wasn't executed properly. Like, he's, he's one of those candidates. And there's a lot of Republicans like that. Okay, well, fine. And he, that plays to this weird authoritarian streak in the Republican Party. They're willing to submit. Like, they want a strong leader who will tell them what to do and who will kick ass uh, regardless of if he agrees with them on certain particular issues just so long as they have some imperial force <laughs> to guide them. 
not to use like you know Roman Empire language or even George Lucas Star Wars well. language. I think Giuliani's tapped into that thing, and that's why he has such high approval uh, numbers amongst Republicans. Is that he's basically an authoritarian military fascist? I, and no, seriously, I think that's he's overstating. It I don't think it bit. is because he he's embraced this mantle of Winston Churchill uh, of being the one guy who can like like. Um, Republicans want a police state. They want a police state from the top down, and that's what you see happening in this consolidation of power with George Bush. They want this, like, this basically this iron fist at the top of the government who tells people what to do, uh, which completely betrays the sort of libertarian roots of the Republican Party. And that's why you see them fleeing in droves right now. Uh, uh, but Giuliani taps into that. Is my long and short of it. Giuliani's running as like the the military kick ass candidate. That sort of Reagan nuke em all candidate. <laughs> I well I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that. I mean I think we're gonna have to wait and see. Well, specifically I, well what else Giuliani, what else do you think explains why he has such to. high approval ratings amongst Republicans if he I if he doesn't appeal right, to their base? Right now, because as you said, he is the face of September eleventh. That's and, the reason. And Republicans he has I'm not sure that we really know enough about where he stands on certain issues to necessarily say that he is just going to continue on with the Bush Bush policy, domestic and foreign. No, I don't he think is, he can say he is, that. But he's going to do it smarter. <laughs> okay, well, let's say, okay, well, let's say that he does do it smarter. Let's say that he takes Iraq, for instance, and he says, you know what? Because really, at this point, it's irrelevant whether you agreed with whether we should go, we should have gone to Iraq in the first place or not. We're there. We need to at least do something to get our troops out and to at least make some sort of peace in Iraq so that it doesn't become a bloodbath when we leave. If Giuliani can come in and come up with a new foreign policy, a new military plan, they can get us out of there and have some sort of stable state in the region. What's wrong with that? Uh, it won't work. Uh, but well, I'm not saying it will, <laughs> but I'm just... But no. Okay, well, and this... I got into like head games with uh, the Republican Party, uh, but uh, just another quick thing that I'll throw out there is that Republicans love September 11th. Yeah, but that's wearing a little thin at this point. I know, I know, but and it's only the hardcores. They they wallow in September 11th. It's a weird sort of like battered wife syndrome thing that they have with September 11th. Like they they like they say that they're, they 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 want to fight terrorism but at the same time they just can't let go of September 11th. They they almost treat it like a holiday. September 11th. Finally the day where, you know, America realized that Arabs were out to get us. <laughs> Finally, an opportunity for us to spread God's democracy across the globe. That's how they, I, and I'm not, and it's not every Republican, but it seems like those hardcore neocons, that's what they think. They think that September 11th was like some sort of divine act of God, which allowed George W. Bush to spread Jesus's gospel <laughs> throughout the Middle East. And Giuliani has tapped into that. Giuliani's like the ne- he's the new neocon candidate. That's why he's I, so high. I don't I don't agree. Polls. I don't agree with that. Okay, but aside from that, I don't, I don't oh, think okay. that he's I don't think okay. he's a neocon. I think that he has been he he has supported Bush's foreign policy, you know, but that doesn't okay. necessarily mean right. that he's going to be All a right. fascist well, dictator. Well, okay, well, okay. Hold on, continue hold on. to hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Right. Okay, we disagree on why he's popular. Okay. But he's popular. We just disagree on why he is. But 
he will not get the nomination because no, we can agree. On yeah, that we one. can agree on that because uh, <laughs> he married his cousin. Yes, he did marry his cousin. <laughs> He's mobbed up. He has like deep mob oh, connections yes. with Bernard Carrick. Uh, oh God, I wish that guy. If, for those that don't remember, Bernard Carrick was the uh, uh, police commissioner during September 11th, and was Giuliani's right hand man, uh, and. This guy was just a bad character. He had like close, close ties with the mafia. Uh, was a philanderer. Was misappropriating funds for the September 11th cleanup. Uh, just a bad guy. Uh, but before all of this came to light, <laughs> Giuliani convinced Alberto Gonzalez to nominate Bernard Carrick as the head, the head of, Homeland of Homeland Security. Security. That's right. That lasted for about <laughs> yeah, two weeks. Hours. Yeah, I know. Before like like people started freaking out and they said, "Are you serious?" He said, "This this guy came it's like so close to getting in front of Congress and having to testify under oath about all of these shady business deals, which why, some of which he did with Giuliani." Right. Um, well, why would he? Why would he want to subject himself to that sort of? He's a megalomaniac. Overs- and that's the thing. He like had uh, busts of himself made and uh, erected around the uh, police offices when he was commissioner. The guy's kind of a loony, batshit guy. Uh, but okay, he, so he yeah, looks, Ju- he looks really mean too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay. Giuliani's connection with Bernard Carrick and the mob. That's another reason. Uh, another reason is his wife, uh, Judith Nathan. This socialite. Uh, By the way, Giuliani has been married three times, although that's nothing new in the Republican Party, the Family Values Party. That's right. Um, Even though Giuliani's first wife was his cousin. (laughs) Well, they've either been married three times or they're just gay. Yeah, pretty much. Family Values. Sorry. Uh, But Judith Nathan, and this also came out recently, just a funny little tidbit. Giuliani's wife used to work for a medical supply company uh, who supplied medical staples that you'd use to suture wounds and it's it's not known if she did this personally or if she just oversaw it but to demonstrate these surgical staples uh they would staple live puppies (laughs) it's doesn't doesn't everybody staple live (laughs) puppies when you're in college you experiment that's right you know try some weed bisexuality puppy stapling you know it's free floating man uh but y'all did it yeah, and on top, on top of the fact that Giuliani's wife is a puppy killer, um, Giuliani has intimated that he would let her sit in on cabinet meetings if he was president, which is just, like, really, really aggravating all the hardcore conservatives who went after Hillary for the same thing right, as right. being a co-president. Um, so, yeah, all of those reasons taken together. On top of that, Giuliani is not a very disciplined candidate and has and will say stupid shit on the campaign, which will leave him open to many attacks. Well, I, he doesn't have a chance of getting the nomination. Let us not forget, too, that he's been out of politics for almost six years yeah. now. Yeah. So yeah. that's – you always got to take that into consideration as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Giuliani's not happening. No, I, I still think, think McCain's right. probably going to get the nomination, even Ooh, though he's kind of down in the money race and he's down in the polls right now. I think that once you see the primaries start rolling around, that he's going to start looking better than Giuliani. <laughs> I think Giuliani's out. I think Romney's out. He's just a joke. Yeah. McCain may get it. Just by default, I, I think. I think that he's just... <laughs> 
<laughs> Seriously, well, he's the we've default said, we've candidate. Said it, we've said enough about McCain. You know <laughs> where both of us stand on McCain. Yeah. Um, he may get it, but I don't know. I, I At the same time, I still think that at the end of the day, it's possible that one of these more conservative uh, sort of religious right cronies is going to sort of come up. <laughs> And steal the nomination. Brownback Whether, hasn't gotten any traction. Though. Well, maybe not Brownback. Brownback he but. got murdered in the, the the finance race. He he raised I think only like a million dollars, which is nothing in Huck, presidential politics. Huckabee still Huckabee. I used to think Huckabee was the dark horse candidate, but it's getting a bit too late for him. Oh, who is the other guy? Uh, see, oh, Tom Tancredo, the congressman from Colorado, is probably officially going to announce he's the really xenophobic, anti-Mexican I think, guy. I think maybe that's the guy I was thinking. Yeah, he, I'm telling you, it's it's Newt. It's just the, I don't disagree. He's just, with wait, you. He's just waiting. I don't disagree. Waiting with in the shadows. I think that he like he might be compared to the crop that's running right now. He might be the most palatable for Republican primary voters. <laughs> And God bless them if they want to do it. It'd be very interesting to see Newt run. Uh, to watch the Republican Party implode in a presidential campaign, I think, would just be a treat. It would, it would be great. It would be a treat to watch. It'd just be oh, like grand guignol entertainment. Right. Just bloody. Bloody as hell. And then there's our third-party candidates looming in the shadows as well. Yeah, Bloomberg! Michael Bloomberg says that he is going to wait around and see what... Well, I don't know. He's going to wait around and see how the Democratic <laughs> yeah. candidates fare and how the Republican candidates fare. And if he sees it as, uh, as a weak, I don't know, as weakness, if he sees weakness on other side, yeah. he is considering an a independent run, yeah. um, which probably won't amount to much. But some people think that he could uh, maybe Siphon enough ro- away Ross the Perot the election, yeah. probably get uh, more than Nader did in 2000. Between uh, 4 and 9%, yeah, maybe. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, just enough to completely bury the Republican candidate. Right. Well, it'll be very interesting to see which party it'll affect more. Most people think the Republicans. Well, he is a Republican never, now. So, But you never really know. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Bloomberg speak, but he's basically the Republican version of Joe Lieberman. Oh, yeah. Basically the least charismatic, dumpiest politician that you could see. <laughs> Well, and he doesn't have to worry about money because yeah, apparently he makes about thirty billionaire, thirty billion dollars a year or something like that. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, not, uh, it's not going to happen. Um, but we've we have flogged the presidential campaign horse enough. Let's move on. They're, they're all idiots. <laughs> they're all retards. They're all consensus. Idiots. All retards. Um, well, they are. They, uh, seriously, I look at all candidates from both sides. And I am absolutely disgusted by all of them. Good for I'm, you. I'm sorry. I Good am. for you that your outrage reflex is such in such fine shape. Do you shape. disagree with me? I I like, uh, I have to say, I like John Edwards. I do. I think he's a good candidate. Sue me. He would. He's a lawyer. Yeah, he would sue you. He would ruin <laughs> your life. Just like he's ruined the lives of many people that didn't deserve to have their no, lives ruined. Oh, come on. He only went after corporations that mutilated children. Um but I, I, I know I know you love the corporations. That, that that's allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> he won in court. Um that doesn't mean shit. But we are talking about retards, which leads us to Don Imus. <laughs> this Don Imus pertains to us because we are in our own very modest internet fashion 
also shock pundits in a way like he was. <laughs> Uh, however, Don Imus went a little bit too far, and in discussing the Rutgers women's basketball team, called them nappy-headed hoes. Uh, this was apparently a joke. I'm not sure exactly how it was supposed to be funny. Have, but for some reason, this particular incident, and I'm still not exactly sure why this incident by itself was what triggered him being fired from both MSNBC and CBS radio, because he has a long history of racially insensitive comments, uh, homophobic comments, misogynist comments. Uh, but for some reason, this nappy-headed hose comment about the Rutgers women's basketball team was like the last straw. And uh, I, I can't say that I weep any tears for Don Imus. Uh, however, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I would go so far as to say that he should have been fired from both MSNBC and CBS. I I don't think he should have been fired at all. I mean, this, this comes into the free speech argument right here. Um, you are absolutely correct in the sense that this is not the first stupid comment that he has made. It's not the first racial comedy he has made. It's not the first misogynistic comedy he has made. He has been doing this since the mid-70s. Yes. Um, this, is, this is part of what he does. This is part of why people listen to him. This is part of the reason why he makes money. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure if he really believes the sort of things that he is saying. It's just what he does. Yeah. Um, why this comment? Why now? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it could be just... It was it a slow news wrong, week last yeah, week, apparently. Slow, it was a slow news week. The wrong people well, say, maybe I'll, were listening who decided that we're just going to nail this guy on this issue here's for what whatever I, here's, reason. Here's my theory on this, is that he had the the bad luck. I should say not the bad luck, because I do think he deserved to be nailed on this. Um, again, not necessarily fired, but he did deserve to be publicly humiliated for this. Um he had the bad luck of coming you saying these comments after Mel Gibson and after Michael Richards and after our Isaiah uh was it Isaiah whoever from Grey's Anatomy uh all these people who have said either uh, like bigoted or inflammatory comments and then just said I'm going into rehab you know they went on the air with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and said I'm sorry and that was that so you had this building up, you know, you had these these high profile people saying stupid and sensitive things, and then Don Imus comes, and I think that, and I actually kind of uh, sympathize and understand this position, but like the uh, the black community decided that enough's kind of enough. Like they've sort of given a pass to so many people that at some point somebody has to be made an example of so that this isn't acceptable anymore in public okay. discourse. That's fine. And yep. he was selected, uh, I think, randomly, uh, maybe not fairly, but at the same time, he did have a history of this sort of thing. And the other sort of knock against him and why he was sort of singled out is that his show had more from just like a morning DJ Howard Stern sort of show into a like a forum for political candidates and public figures. And so he – I don't know. He – had to have more responsibility, but it was viewed that he should have more responsibility because he has presidential candidates on there. He has senators on there, very high profile people. He has these sort of national debate topics on there. And then he turns around and says, nappy headed hose. 
And it, bottom line is, is that if you're a white guy, you don't say that. <laughs> Well, that's precisely the point. I mean, I don't understand why Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, if they are worried about this, these sorts of these sorts of images, what about the rap community? What about what yeah. rappers say? They are constantly using racial slurs in their music. They are constantly calling women hoes and bitches. Yeah. Um, why are they not attacked? I mean, it seems to me that there's a double standard here. They Actually, my theory is, is that they have been attacked by the black community, but it hasn't been a national debate like Imus has. Because when Imus says it, uh, white people think they can go after him because he's white. But if, if, if black people say that and you disagree with that language, if you go after black people, that might seem like well, that's insensitive I, in and of itself. I, so he's, he was made an example of. He was made a martyr. Well, a martyr, he's not Jesus Christ, but, uh, <laughs> but he was made an example of. Like Again, he had the misfortune of the bad timing of saying these comments after you had the Michael Richards, Mel Gibson, Isaiah Washington, I think his name is, Don, Don Imus is not the problem. No. He is not the problem at all. And I just do not understand why Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton would waste their time going after this, granted, bigoted old man <laughs> yeah. who's been doing this forever. Yeah. Leave him alone. Tackle the real issues. If you're going to really stand for if – you, if you're going to have black leadership in this country, stand up for what is – stand – you know – Ask the issues. Why, for instance, is one out of every three African-American either currently incarcerated or has been incarcerated? Why is it that 50% of African-Americans don't graduate from high school? Why is it that a majority of African-Americans make less money than other Americans? Why is this? Tackle those issues. Those are the important issues that Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton should be addressing. They're not addressing them, at least not publicly they're not addressing them, and they're not doing anything about it. Don Imus is not the problem. Let Don Imus say whatever he wants to say. If MSNBC or NBC Radio decides that they don't want Don Imus on their show any, on their program anymore, get rid of them. They, well, did. Actually, they, they did. They did, and, I, and, and that's it. fine, and they have every right to yeah. do that. But in order to make, a, to make a big issue out of him saying nappy-ass hoes about – nappy-headed hoes, about a basketball team, who cares? It, well, and the, again, Imus was made an example of because he's a prominent white guy. And, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going to defend Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton, but I will play their, their advocate here in saying that they thought that they could use the Imus example to no. get a larger microphone to talk about some of these issues. Well, but they haven't used that larger microphone to talk about any of these issues. Yeah, well, uh, at the same time, uh, Jackson and uh, Sharpton are basically demagogues, and they wanted a scalp that they could use to take back. You they're, know, they're irrelevant figures in pretty American much, society. Pretty much, but unfortunately... They are, they, are, they are powerless, and they saw Don Imus as a way to be relevant again. And it worked. Uh, they it did work. They, they temporarily got the spotlight. But at the same time, and you were talking about if MSNBC and CBS wants to fire Don Imus, and they did. Well, they have every right to. I'm not saying that he should have been fired over this issue, but if they want to can him for this or, or anything else, they have the right to do that. Yeah. And Assuming it, that it falls with other, you know, his contracts and whatnot. <laughs> well, the marketplace spoke. You know, the, the, you know, the 
the network execs, you know, pretended that they were doing this for high-minded moral reasons, but the real reason they got fired because sponsors were sponsors abandoning were IMAX. Out. That's right. And marketplace and spoke, and that that's where the real money comes from. Yeah. Now, as far as um, as far as viewer ratings, it would have gone out the roof if he had stayed on. I mean, probably more people would have tuned in to either listen or watch Don Don Imus in the morning after he had made this comment, just out of pure curiosity, and probably that yeah. that would have maybe lasted for a little while. I don't know. But anyway, he didn't but as have As far as the ratings issue goes, but that I, wasn't the real I, issue. Sponsorship was the issue, and they freaked out. I get back to this point here, um, is that if you're a white guy, you don't say these things. That's well, just, I'm not going to disagree with you that's, on that. That's just sort of like we live in a society that you know we dumped on and shat upon minorities for 200 years in this country and you know sort of the price we pay now and you can call it pc you can call it you know language police or whatever but we we don't have the right to make those kind of comments because you know I'm not saying we do I'm just simply saying And so he was stupid for saying them He was stupid and for it, saying and it. number it, Number one, he was stupid. Number two, it wasn't funny. <laughs> like, ostensibly. No, it wasn't Ostensibly, funny it's a humor show this, or a satire was, show. I didn't see anything really funny or Ruck- humorous The Rutgers that. women's basketball team achieved the great things this year. They, yeah. you, you should embrace them as athletic heroes who can be role models to other, other people and in that the was community. The other thing. That was what sort of made these comments particularly egregious, is that he wasn't going after but, he wasn't going after a politician. He wasn't going after somebody really in the public eye. He went after students. He went after young women who hadn't done anything except hey, listen, be good at basketball. Listen, I'm not saying it's right, but if Don Imus came on the air, say, tomorrow, if he goes to serious Satellite and says... Aaron and Gavin at Punditocracy, they are a bunch of big mouth freaking morons. You know what? Would I give a shit? No. <laughs> I wouldn't I don't give two craps what Don Imus has to say about me or anybody else. Because you know what? If I don't want to listen to Don Imus, I will just not turn him on. Yeah. That I, I just won't do it. I won't listen to him. Mm-hmm. I have that every right as an American, whether I want to listen to his Poisonous venom, or whether I don't want to listen to it, yes. I have that right. Yes, you mentioned poisonous but, venom, and we should we should move on. Uh, but, just okay, one more okay. comment right. on this because it's just put a button on this. <laughs> I've already mentioned it before, but again, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson. If you want to be role models, if you want to be leaders to the black community, stand up and do something. Quit going after cranky old men. <laughs> go out there. Go out. No, seriously. Go out there. Address the real issues that are facing African Americans. Try to bring it into a public debate and then try to find solutions to them. Because you know what? You two, you haven't done anything about it for the last couple of decades if you've ever done anything about it to begin with. Martin Luther King, there was a true African-American leader. There was a man who did something for the African-American community. Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson haven't done squat. And uh, another little sort of underlying current to Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton trying to make a big deal about this is that they feel threatened uh, with irrelevancy uh, because of the threat that and Barack Obama poses to them uh, exactly. for, for taking the exactly. mantle of leader of the African-American exactly. well, community. And, and we should mention Barack Obama because there again, there is a very strong African-American leader mm-hmm. who I believe well, I believe rather, he could do, I believe he, could, just, I, I believe he potentially could do great things for all Americans, yes. but he certainly can do great things for African-Americans. I think he's already done that. Yeah. 
as we've already discussed before, it is a relevancy issue, and that's the only reason why this Don Imus thing was ever brought up, because Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson know that they're powerless and know that nobody cares about them. So they choose somebody to, to go after, and again, I'm not defending Don Imus. He's a bigoted old idiot, and the comments that he made were stupid. But then again, if you don't want to listen to those bigoted comments, don't tune them out. Don't, don't tune into them. Right. That's, it's that simple. Okay. But we have to move on. Right. Um, speaking of stupid comments, and we don't have much time, so I just want to say this. Um, the Virginia Tech shootings earlier this week, horrible, awful, just completely nightmarish incident. Uh, 32 uh, people, and then the shooter died. Um, just everyone agrees, national tragedy, awful, horrendous. Uh, however... And a lot of people have come together in mourning and grief, and uh, you've seen some very positive elements of this mourning process. You, you saw the campus and the convocation, and it was just very eloquent and very moving. However, as early as the day of the shooting, this incident has already been politicized. Oh, of course. And, um, and, and the blame game starts. The blame too, game starts. I find very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, the day of the sh- that afternoon, before the identity of the shooter was even officially revealed, or, or motive, motive still hasn't been revealed, but uh, you had both sides of the gun control debate coming out and saying, we need more gun control, or we need less gun control. <laughs> I, I find it, I, I just find it so amusing, because you're right, people on the left are saying, well, if we just outlawed all guns, then this would have never have happened. Yeah. Now, I disagree with that, because I think that if somebody wants to go kill another human being, they'll find a way. They'll find a way. If they don't have a gun in their hand, they'll have a knife in their hand. They'll have a rock in their hand. They'll use their fists. So I'm not sure if I necessarily agree that outlawing all guns is going to prevent these sorts of tragedies from happening in the future. Then you've got the complete opposite (laughs) side on the right. Which is just as stupid. I guess it is. Where they're saying, well... If we all carried guns, if, if then, all of those students had guns, then we could this have just taken them out. Issue. That's right. Okay, so those are just sort of that's just sort of the almost tragically humorous debate that was happening while this was all unfolding. People were using this as a political football before all of the bodies were even counted. Well, and you know what? We went through this exact these exact same debates after Columbine, yeah. and nothing ever came. Yeah. Of gun control after that. So. Okay, and but okay, I, real quick uh, to wrap this all up. But uh, we agree uh, that that particular debate is kind of silly, re- regardless of where you fall on the gun control issue. But I think one thing that everybody could agree on is that there were some really wretched things said about the victims of the shooting. Uh, and I just want to read a quote real quick from a fellow named John Derbyshire uh, for the New Republic. Writes online for them. Here's his quote regarding the Virginia Tech massacre. Where was the spirit of self-defense here? Setting aside the ludicrous campus ban on licensed conceals, why didn't anyone rush the guy? It's not like this was Rambo hosing the place down with automatic weapons. He had two handguns, for goodness sake. One of them reportedly a twenty-two. Oh. At the very least, count the shots and jump and reloading or changing hands. Better yet, just jump them. Handguns aren't very accurate, even at close range. I shoot mine all the time at the range, and I still can't hit squat. Well, that's just because he's what, a bad shot. Yeah, no, hold on. I doubt this guy was any better than I am, and even if hit, a twenty-two needs to find something important to do real damage. Your chances aren't bad. Well, let's put him in a room. 
yeah. with a shooter, and we'll see how he yeah. reacts. Uh, because you know There's what? There's just so no, much reprehensible no. with that statement. I don't even really know where to begin. I think the overall point is, is that you don't know how you're going to react until you're in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, and I, I don't even really want to tackle this guy's specifics because the, the argument of blaming the dead people here is basically what he's doing. He's just yeah, so much. putrid. Uh, he had two guns with oversized clips. And by the way, people were trying to defend themselves. And well, there was, were some heroes who, was, who tried to block the doors to prevent him from getting in, a professor in particular who was killed uh, so that he could allow his students the opportunity to jump out the windows to right. escape this guy. I, I was going to say, I mean, I was kind of under the impression that there were a couple people that maybe not necessarily rushed him specifically, but... Tried to run, prevent him from coming run, back right, in. Did yeah. run to the doors, held them closed to prevent him from coming back in, which potentially could have saved yeah. 20... 30 lives. I don't know how many people were in the yeah. room alive at that point, but... Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, John Derbyshire, cocksucker for the New Republic Online, uh, wasn't alone. Uh, there was a whole host of conservative pundits who were using the same opinions. Neil Bortz, who's a syndicated radio host. you ever uh, listened to the Neil Bortz show? Uh, fortunately, no. Oh. <laughs> I, I saw his quotes regarding this incident, though, so I, read it, read uh, it. I don't really ever want to listen to it. Michelle Malkin. Our, one of our favorites, Michelle Malkin, a.k.a. The, Mini Coulter. She is the new Ann Coulter. Yeah. Um, made the same arguments. Just, again, this is before people had even been buried, before all the details had come That's out. Right. They were just rushing to blame the victims, yeah. rushing again to bring up September 11th. Oh, United 93. Remember? I was, I was and, remember and remember how everyone died on United 93? <laughs> Yeah, that was my favorite quote. It was like, well, if the people of United 93 could stand up and fight the terrorists, then why couldn't these Virginia Tech students stand up and fight this gunman? Ouch. We all know United 93 was shot down by the government. (laughs) We all know that United 93 was a dummy plane that was being piloted by remote as part of the Bush administration's conspiracy to stage September 11th. And there were all CIA officers on that yes. plane. <laughs> By the way, the fluoride in the water is making everybody impotent. It's all the Bush administration's fault. That's right. <laughs> they're That's ste- what they're really. stealing my essence. Now we know what happened <laughs> aboard United 93. <laughs> but okay, yeah. Anyway, I and the Virginia Tech shooting was just such an awful incident that I'd, we really it, it would be disrespectful for numb nuts like us to keep talking about wow. it, but just to, to talk about how this thing has already been turned into a political straw man for people on both sides of the debate, but particularly for these conservative blame the victim types. Uh, so that sucked. But what doesn't suck this week, Aaron? Um, the new uh, the new season of South Park does not suck. Um. I believe they're in their 10th season now. And you would think that usually after 10 seasons, it's either ninth or the 10th season, I can't really remember. Uh, but you would think that after uh, almost a decade of making South Park episodes, that it would maybe, you know, start to wear thin a little bit. Uh, it hasn't. Um, it's, <laughs> it's going strong. This season has had, in my opinion, some of the most uh, controversial and hilarious episodes that uh, South Park has ever created. It does not suck. I have one more as well. Please. I've said I've said this before, but uh, the uh, HBO show Rome does not suck. Right. Um, it is the second season is now over, so you 
will have to either watch it on HBO and demand if you have that or just rent the DVDs later. But the reason I mention this is because HBO has canceled Rome, saying that it was one of the biggest flops ever in <laughs> HBO history. Um, don't listen to that. Rome was a phenomenal, phenomenal show, and it is unfortunate that they stopped after two seasons. They'll enjoy it while it lasts. Speaking of tremendous flops, my thing that doesn't suck is Grindhouse, <laughs> the Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino double feature, tanked at the box office. Ate it. Three and a half hours long. Most theaters could only show it twice a day. They opened it on Easter weekend. Bad idea. Uh, so despite his financial performance, very fun movie. Uh, you have a zombie film, and you also have a Tarantino sort of car chase movie. But I think the real reason to go see it is the fact that they've been packaged together as one double feature, and they have these fake trailers before and in between the movies, which are awesome. Best part of the experience of going to go see it. Uh, there's one trailer in particular called Thanksgiving about a Thanksgiving-themed serial killer that involves a turkey baster and a thermometer of individual orifices. <laughs> I won't spoil which ones, though. So go see it while you still can, because it's probably not going to be in theaters much longer. But we've kind of run over. We just got so so exuberant getting back together, Aaron and I. I know. On Punditocracy. It's been so long. But you have been listening to Punditocracy. Please email us at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com. Leave comments at lawrence.com. Thank you, Aaron, for coming back out of rehab oh, on furlough. I'm sure I'll be back in rehab here before too long. So <laughs> I think your nose is bleeding right now. Yeah, but shit. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but I have been Gavin. This has been Punditocracy. Bar- Wait. Join us at MySpace, www.myspace.com backslash Punditocracy. Now, bar-bar. Bye.